All right, let's take our Bibles. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 9 tonight. I'm going to spend maybe 15, 20 minutes with you in this passage of Scripture, Matthew, chapter number 9. Recently, uh, in the last week or so, I was in my um, kitchen on an early morning eating some breakfast. By the way, uh, one of our church members wrangled me into a diet with him uh, over the last 10 days. I've been miserable the last 10 days, uh, limited to what I can eat, how much I can eat. And so I had a pitiful breakfast several days ago as I was sitting at my table. Uh, it's over in the morning, by the way. Tonight is my last night. I, I think I'm going to Taco Bell in the morning uh, to, uh, to ruin the whole week. But uh, uh, I was sitting there at my kitchen uh, eating this little pitiful breakfast. And I was looking out my, my, my slider door there out to where our deck goes and to where across the yard. And we have a, a big patch of woods between us and really the next development. And I was looking at that and I was like, wow, I can't even see the houses across the way. And I couldn't see the houses because the, the leaves were so full. The foliage is so full. And as I sat there thinking about that, I realized uh, here we are almost in August. At that time, we are in August now, but at that time, we're almost in August. And, and just in a couple of months, I'm going to be able to see those houses. I'll be able to see Dee's house. We're, we're, we're neighbors across the woods there. And uh, uh, we'll be, I'll be able to look across there and see that because the leaves will be gone. And it got me thinking about seasons. It got me thinking about uh, how seasons come and go. We're in summer and nearly into fall, uh, which I think is what, September 22nd is our fall date. And, and so then before you know it, we're in winter and spring and then back to summer. Seasons come and go. By the way, the seasons of life come and go. There are different seasons that we face in life. The, the, the season you're in right now may be a very wonderful time. Things are going well. We know another season will come. And you may be in a season right now that maybe is more of a difficulty, maybe full of some trials. Those seasons, they come and they go. Seasons of, uh, of, the, of, of the earth are very reminiscent to the seasons of life. And then we also know seasons bring change. Right now, we're in a time of heat. It was very hot today. It's full of green and, and life. It won't be long till it's mild and bare. And then it's going to be cold and bare. And then it's going to be mild and green and then back to heat and green. We have constantly have these changes. Well, as I was thinking about these changes and I realized that fall was nearly here, it reminded me of our annual missions conference that Heritage hosts every fall in September. In fact, the week before uh, fall officially begins, we will be having our annual missions conference here at Heritage. We'll be hosting several missionary families. Let me speak on that for just a moment, hosting them. Uh, welcoming them here to Heritage. Here are these missionaries either coming from a field back on furlough or they're on deputation raising funds to go to a field. And here they are and we get an opportunity for a Wednesday through Sunday to host them, to welcome them here to Heritage, to, to make them our honored guest. 
And let me say, Heritage, you do a, you've done a fine and wonderful job at that for many, many years, decades. You've done that. Uh, missions conferences all has been a highlight here at Heritage for many, many years. And I want to encourage you, don't, don't go, uh, don't rest in that. Don't relax in that. This is a blessing. Most missionaries will tell you they'll leave here encouraged. They'll leave heritage refreshed. They'll leave here uh, uh, challenged and ready to go to their next meetings. And uh, we have an opportunity to be a real blessing to them. We're going to be a blessing to them financially. We want to give them a nice generous love offering. We want to be uh, uh, encouraging to them by the fact of bringing them on for financial monthly support so they can get to their field soon. We want to give them some opportunities to enjoy our region, and, and we want them to come to a church service that is, that is uh, encouraging, that is filled with people that are happy to be there and support missions. And so uh, I want to encourage you, let's be wonderful hosts this year. And let's be ready to hear the challenging messages that will be presented each evening. Now think about it. We're going to be talking about missions. We're going to be talking about people going to missions and us supporting missions and us giving to missions. I did say that, right? Giving to missions. Financial support for missions. Yes, we're going to preach on money, on giving, on supporting even in 2022, with inflation at crazy numbers and the cost of living increasing every minute, uh, the prices of gas up and down, and, and even though it's recently come down, it's still at an extreme amount, and it's, it's, it's difficult to live, and probably most of us did not receive a raise that matched the cost of, uh, of increase of living. I understand that, but we still have a mandate from God. We still have a command from the Lord, and so we're going to present this. And I want to encourage you that you would trust God, even in these difficult financial days, to trust Him with His finances that He's entrusted to you. You're stewards of what God has given you. You're managers of what God, <clears throat> what God has given us. And we want to be faithful in this, and especially in this area of missions. Of course, we must keep working. We must keep giving. Because the need is great, and we believe the time is short. So as I've been thinking on this passage, as I thought of those seasons changing, coming up on missions, I would like us to consider a few thoughts from Matthew chapter 9, a familiar passage starting in verse number 36, and we'll read 37 and 38, you follow along. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he truly, excuse me, unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. As you consider these three verses at the end of this chapter, I want us to consider the entirety of the chapter, and we'll only do that by mentioning the things that happen in this chapter, not by reading it, but mentioning the things of this chapter, and what you'll notice about this is that Jesus was busy. 
Notice the busyness of Jesus. If you want to, you can just follow along. I'll begin at the beginning just highlighting these things. And you may see uh, various uh, uh, events of taking place. But at the beginning of this chapter, we see Jesus healing a man that was sick of the palsy. A man that had no strength in his limbs. A man that was not able to walk. And in fact, although Matthew doesn't cover this, this is the account where four men bring this man to Jesus. They can't get to Jesus because of the great crowd around Jesus. And they go to a rooftop, they tear open the rooftop, they lower him down there. And Jesus heals this man, and also in that passage is where he says he forgives him of his sins. And that leads to an interaction or a confrontation with the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees. They believe this is blasphemy for Jesus, because they don't believe that he's God. They believe this is blasphemy, and so they encounter Jesus on this. Well, it's not long after this, Jesus calls Matthew as a disciple. He says, follow me. Uh, There's a time here shortly after that, Jesus eats and fellowships with publicans and sinners. And the religious leaders don't like that either. Why would Jesus eat with publicans and sinners? And that's where Jesus says the sick, uh, the, the healthy have no need for a doctor, but the sick do. And these people needed a savior. And so Jesus goes to them. Then there's an interaction with the disciples of John the Baptist about why Jesus and his disciples do not fast. And there's an interaction, there's a conversation between them. Then Jesus finds out as a man comes to him, a man named Jairus, and he says, my daughter's dead. I need you to come and do a miracle. And on his way there, And again, Matthew's account doesn't cover all of this, but there's a woman there that has been ill for some time. She has an issue in her blood. And she has convinced herself that if I could just touch this holy man, this man that is different than any other man, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, surely that would heal me. And in faith, she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment and immediately she was healed of that issue. Now, it's interesting, again, the other accounts, I believe it's the gospel, Mark covers it. Jesus says, who touched me? And his disciples say, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? You're being thronged by people. They're all around you. They're all wrestling. But Jesus recognized that virtue had left him. Virtue had departed from him when this woman touched the hem of his garment. Jesus continues on to this place where the young child was has died and Jesus says she's not dead she's only sleeping and they the, the those that had come to mourn her death began to mock and laugh at Jesus until they went in and found the young girl alive Jesus then heals two blind men and then right before our passage he heals a man that is dumb or not able to speak gives him his speech back this just this one chapter, I just nailed out or, or, or mentioned eight different uh, situations and involvements of Jesus, uh, this busyness of his life. In the Gospel of John, chapter number 20, verse 25, it says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. In other words, John is saying, listen, what we have in the Word of God is just a small sampling of what Jesus' ministry was like. His days were busy. We know he was weary at times, right? 
Uh, there was a time he fell asleep in a ship when there was a great storm raging, and he's in the bottom, and he's sleeping, sound asleep because he was exhausted. There's times that he was hungered. We know Jesus uh, endured those things, and I can't imagine the busyness of his life. And so imagine another busy day of ministry for Jesus, and then he pauses in verse number 36. He pauses and he looks around him and he sees people everywhere. He looks around him and he sees them just going from one place to the other place. And he sees people and he sees the needs of people everywhere. And what happens? This moves him with compassion. I'll speak more of this in just a moment, but several years ago, I, I went to Cape Verde, some island nations off the coast of Africa, considered a part of Africa, a very African culture. And I went to Cape Verde to serve there for a little over a week and preached in several churches and, and in a Bible college that had been established there. And I was staying in a borrowed apartment from a businessman that the missionaries knew. It was a, a building he owned, a three-story building. There was a business on the bottom floor. Some other folks lived in the middle floor. And then the top floor was his apartment that he stayed in when he was on that side of the island. And so it was empty the week I was there, and they allowed me to stay there. And by Cape Verde standards, it was a very nice apartment, and it was comfortable for me as well. It was, very, it was, it was nice, and it was very accommodating one of my favorite aspects of it, though, was there was a room, I guess what we would call a porch or a, 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 a patio of some sort, although it was all enclosed, but it was open air. Uh, that, that Those top windows were, there was no glass, there was no screen, it was just completely open air, and I could come and stand on the third floor and look out, and down below me was the city. There was an open-air market across from me there, and every morning they would set up, and every evening they would, they would, they would break it down. And every morning they would do this, and every evening they would, they would go through this routine. And I would often, in my downtime, or when I had opportunity, I'd go out there, and I would just stand there and look out over the city, and I saw people. I saw people scurrying everywhere, going from place to place, trying to, eat, uh, to, to, to uh, uh, make a dollar or two that day to support their families. And this passage came to my mind frequently as I would look out there. And I wonder, though, if I had the compassion that I truly should have had. Certainly not the compassion Jesus had when he looked out. See, Jesus looked out and he saw the needs of these people that were all around him. And it, and it speaks of his compassion. This word compassion means it comes from the bowels or depths of his emotions. We would say from like the bottom of our hearts. From the depths of our hearts. And Jesus was saying, uh, listen, this, this, this scene here before me moves me to compassion for my inners. Because he saw people fainting and scattering as sheep with no shepherd. Let me just speak of those things very quickly. The idea of fainting here is he saw people that were weary and fatigued because of their needs. And the empty religious system that was being provided to them would not meet those needs. 
and it moved him to compassion. He saw them fainting. He saw them scattered. No one cared for them. Uh, They were left to fend for themselves. They were sheep without shepherd. We've just entered into our study. We've had two studies on Sunday mornings, and this is my story. This is my psalm, studying some of the psalms. We've looked at Psalm 90 and 91, but I've had several come to me. When are you speaking on Psalm 23? People are anxious. People are looking forward. And what do we learn about Psalm 23? We learn the Lord is my shepherd. And we learn that we're sheep. And without a shepherd, we have no direction in life. We have no guide. And listen, you talk to a true shepherd, a shepherd of true sheep, that sheep that goes off on its own, that, that sheep that has no shepherd watching over it, they get themselves in one predicament after another predicament. Uh, they're, they, they, they're, they're helpless animals. Really, it's not a, uh, uh, it's not a, um, uh, a complimentary term at all that we're compared to sheep. Sheep are some of the dumbest, use, most useless animals out there. And it's probably a very fitting uh, uh, opinion of us. And so Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus has a plea. He sees that the need is momentous and the help is minute. He says the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's so many people to reach, but there's so few laborers, he says in verse number 37. So he has a solution. Pray. Pray. Now prayer, and I don't have time to develop this, we need to move on. Prayer has possibilities. Uh, First of all, we know this, prayer will move God. God responds to prayer. I could ask you, you don't have to raise your hand, because I know if you've ever truly prayed, you've experienced answered prayers, haven't you? Sometimes you've experienced the answer you didn't want it, though. God may have said no to that, but it was the right answer. And there's peace that comes through prayer because prayer moves God. God responds to prayer. But not only do we see that it moves God, prayer, get this church, it moves us. See, Jesus speaks to his disciples. Pray ye, the Lord, therefore the Lord of the harvest. He tells the disciples to pray. You know what we see in chapter 10? We see a bunch of disciples out busy, working, moving. When you pray, you start to see the need and you are more open to respond to the need that is evident. The need here was for laborers. They pray for the laborers and they become laborers. We live in a time when the need is still great. Amen? In fact, we would say momentous. I don't think it would be exaggeratory for us to say this Perhaps the need is greater than it's ever been before. There are people out there that are searching and looking. They're scattered abroad. They're watching and they're looking for things. They're trying to find answers. And they're looking in all the wrong places. The need is great. And it is possible that the available labors are fewer than ever before. The laborers are few, maybe than ever before. 
I hear it continually from preacher friends. We experience it here, and various churches and ministries have told us the same. It is difficult to find laborers. Now, I'm not just talking about full-time staff laborers. I'm talking about lay laborers. I'm talking about pew sitters. I'm talking about members of the church, people willing to work and serve the Lord. We are in a time of a shortage of people that are willing to serve the Lord. We're busy people. We're active people. We have demanding schedules. But church, there is a harvest out there that is plenteous. And we're missing it. It's, It's going away. We're not getting them. So my plea to you this evening, as we come up on our missions conference soon, just a little over a month away, and these days leading up to it, will you pray? Pray that laborers would respond to the call of God, and pray that you would be open to the call of God, that you would recognize the need, and that you would go out into the harvest and participate. Whether you're a lay laborer, staff laborer, Let's pray that the Lord would work in our hearts. The church, we truly are living in these very needy, needy days.